This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over! have won the world championship welcome to benny and the bets podcast can you believe it here's your host terry cushman Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering tonight Major League Wild Card Baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Apple Podcasts, the link to your uh, Apple Podcast feed could be found right above this video window. Click that, subscribe. All of our shows can be found right there. First postseason podcast of uh, 2019, the Red Sox season is mercifully over. We won't be getting into anything uh, Red Sox related tonight, despite the slew of uh, info earlier. Probably later on in the week, no later than Sunday, uh, you can expect a full show, uh, you know, covering all of that. So I am Terry Cushman and I am joined tonight by the full crew as we do when we make, you know, predictions before season uh, playoff predictions in just a couple of nights. Jeremy Schilling is with us, as is Liz Churchville and Matt Clark. How are you guys? Pretty good. Uh, now that now that the season's over, I'm a lot better. <laughs> okay, no uh, no daily suffering uh, anymore to be had. Um, yeah, no, it's actually been over for like a month. It's been freeing. Agreed. Yeah, so we know who the uh, wild card games are, so we're going to start with the National League since that's the uh, first of the two games, which is tomorrow night at 8 p.m., I think on TBS, and then ESPN has the American League game on uh, Wednesday night at uh, 8 p.m. as well, so... We actually didn't talk about an order here, so uh, why don't we go Matt, Liz, Jeremy, and then myself, if that sounds okay. Are you, are you a leadoff hitter, Matt? Yeah, no, I, I, I can go wherever that in the order I need to. Can you steal bags if we need you to? Hey, listen, whatever. I, I can I can I can do whatever's asked of me. I'm a team player. Okay. I don't have a lot of athleticism, but I'll tell you, I make up for it in the intangibles. <laughs> whatever the hell those are. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, You're the one who wanted us to clean this up. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, hey, it's the wild card edition, so it's uh, anything goes. Absolutely. Well, go ahead. Uh, Brewers versus Nationals. 
Who do you have? What do you like? So you got Woodruff going against Scherzer. Um, somehow the Brewers uh, kind of beat all the odds and, and managed to get in, even though they lost uh, arguably one of the best players in baseball in Yelich, uh, who leads their team in batting average, uh, home runs, and RBIs, and was still, even though he missed almost, it was almost a month uh, with the injury towards the end, he, He's, he's still first in batting average, fourth in home runs, and 14th in RBIs in the National League. So, um, you know, losing Yelich, that makes it kind of tough. And then you're going uh, to make matters even worse for him. They're going against Scherzer, who's uh, sixth in ERA with a 2.92, fourth in whip with a 1.03 whip, third in Ks with 243. Um I got to think that the the pitching is too much here for the Brewers uh, without Yelich, and uh, I'm going to predict the Nationals win two to nothing to go on to play the Dodgers. Uh, Jeremy, who you got? Uh, I think you actually were going to go Liz. Oh, my bad. Yes, Liz. Either either way, either way. (laughs) Um, I mean, definitely for me, I think it comes down to to pitching. These this one game wild card is I have a love-hate relationship with it I really almost wish that they would just take away two regular season games make it 160 games and then make this a three-game playoff the game is not designed around a one-game playoff but uh obviously you know that's what we have to deal with now but um it's absolutely going to come down to it um like Matt was saying I mean uh, pitching is just going to be too much for them particularly with their starter I was just looking and I guess I haven't really been keeping up with the Brewers I know Terry you you like them a lot uh so maybe you know a little more about Woodruff but um they said they only expect him to be in for about 40 pitches then they're gonna kind of have a little revolving door of their uh bullpen and, and everything just based on matchup and with Scherzer come on I mean, you just can't expect to win a game that way, not against a team like that. So, uh, score-wise, I'm really bad at this. Um, I'll go. I'll go three one, three one Nationals. Little scoring game. Um, these these wild card games for me are awesome. It brings a little bit of the football mentality to to baseball, and, and I don't mean like the the mindset to play it, but the excitement of a one-off and how important a single game is. You just don't get that in baseball. Um, the end of the season was relatively tame. Um, a lot of the races were determined um, long ago. So I love the one-off, and I know that for the teams that lose, it's – kind of anticlimactic or, or um, you know, however you want to phrase the end of the season for the teams that lose. But for the teams that move on and the fans that don't have a stake in that particular game, I think the wild card really makes this part of the baseball season fantastic. Um, I personally love it. I especially love it in years like this where our team sucks. Um, so for me... It, it brings the excitement back into baseball so that I can enjoy the month of October with the Red Sox out of it. Now, with that said, these games go like breezes. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. Scherzer comes out 
walks a guy, gives up a big fly, he's down two nothing, and then and then deals for eight innings, and they lose two to one. I mean, you have no idea. Obviously, on paper, for me, uh, this game screams Max Scherzer to dominate, uh, to give the Nationals a chance to win the game. Uh, the Brewers, I think Matt uh, Wildcard there said it okay by his standards, um, so not great for everyone else. That uh, missing Yelich is a problem, um, but Brewers have that personality. It's one of the reasons Terry why I think you like them so much. Uh, they they don't give a shit. Damn it, swear to Jar. They don't care, uh, but and that's one of the reasons why. I, you know, I really like them. For those that care, and we don't do a lot of this, although I'm a, I am a, you know, I like to gamble and I gamble on these games. Um, the Brewers are plus one fifty nine underdogs right now. Uh, the Nationals are, are favorites at one seventy nine, uh, and the run lines uh, plus one fifteen for the Nationals and negative one thirty five for the Brewers. So, um, the Nationals by Vegas' stand, standards are pretty big favorites for a playoff baseball game. Um, should be fun. And um, one thing that you can count on is it's going to be unpredictable. I have this. Oh God! Part of me wants to take the Brewers on the money on the money line, but I think I, I think I'd take the Nationals here on the run line, meaning they got to win by two. So I think the Nationals win the game uh, by two runs or more. And I do think Scherzer deals, and I think he pitches deep in the game, and I think this is like maybe a six to one game. Well, I. Uh... I spent quite a bit of time, you know, and by quite a bit of time, about an hour, uh, looking at the numbers here. Um, the Brewers were 4-2 and two against the Nationals in the season series. They swept the May series, but that was at the point where the Nationals were looking like they weren't even going to sniff the uh, playoffs because they were playing so badly. They did have a better second half. They took the next series uh, against the Brewers uh, two out of three. And uh, I wasn't watching that. I was looking at my notes, by the way. <laughs> we're messing, for the audience, we're messing with each other on the Skype cams. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, there's not a lot to be taken from as far as the season series goes. Uh, Brandon Wood Woodruff has been basically the Brewers' ace. He was out with an oblique injury. He came back, pitched uh, a total of four innings over two starts, so he basically was the opener. Didn't give up a run in either of those final two appearances. Struck out seven, which I think is impressive, uh, given the fact he only... Uh, you know, pitch four innings. As Liz said, he does have a pitch count of about 40, but I have read quotes that Council is willing to push him. So they might feel it out and try to squeeze an extra inning out of him. Um, you know, and I, I like the way that the, the Brewers tend to, you know, bullpen, you know, several innings of a game. As much as we love to hate the guy, Drew Pomeranz has been phenomenal uh, with them. Josh Hader has been, he did cough up a game against the Cardinals uh, a couple games ago with two outs in the ninth, gave up a dinger, but um, has been uh, very good throughout the month of September. Here's where I differ from you guys. Max Scherzer has given up 
12 earned runs in his last three starts, which covers 18 innings. So 12 earned runs in 18 innings. He spent an extended period of time on the DL, and he's got decent postseason numbers. He's not, you know, he's like in the mid to upper threes as far as his ERA goes. I would have went with Strasburg as my starter for this game. Strasburg ended the season with eight quality starts in a row. He did, in his lone uh, pitching appearance against the Brewers, give up four earned runs way back in May. I don't know how much you can really factor that. Patrick Corbin was shelled for six runs in his final start of the year against the Indians. However, before that, he rattled off nine quality starts in a row. I don't like Max Scherzer in this start. I just I don't trust his durability, and those last three appearances are pretty ominous. And he's the highest paid guy. I'm not a huge fan of necessarily going with the highest paid guy. Um, you know, just because he's the best on paper because that's what he gets paid. I I still go with what's going on on the field and. I, that's not Max Scherzer. I have the Brew, uh, Brewers winning this game uh, six to two without Christian Yelich, who, by the way, they rattled off seven wins in a row as soon as he went on the DL. So I'll be the lone Brewer representative uh, for this podcast. Uh, by the time the game starts, Mark could easily flip and pick the Brewers money line. So I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> your your Scherzer take is just brutal, and I expect that from Wild Card, frankly. But you don't have a guy with that disposition, that competitiveness, and tell him you're giving the ball to somebody else. You're just not. And, of course, what's going to wind up happening is he's going to get shelled. You're going to be right. It's going to suck. <laughs> I'm going to have to eat my shorts. But until that happens, I'm going to call you an idiot. I like Strasburg in that start. I mean, he's the he's been the I guy. I don't dislike Strasburg. Hold on, that's not what I said. But you can't have a guy like Scherzer who's willing to literally stand out there at 115 pitches and fight the manager to stay in the game and not give that guy the ball. You just can't. He's the leader of that rotation. That's a detriment. And Strasburg's been good, and he's been real good consistently for like two months, where he's like a uh, quality start every every time out. I don't. Hey, look, Strasburg, love you, mean it. See in game one of the uh, of the NLDS, but you can't tell Strasburg he's not getting the ball there. I just don't see that. If he's ready and he's on normal rest, he gets the ball. You, you meant to say Scherzer, don't you know? There, what did I say? You said Strasburg. Let me just make this one point because I know Matt's dying to get in here. He was a maniac on the mound, and he was he was fighting his manager saying, I will stay in this game. And I, I don't remember what game that was. It was in June, early July. But guess what? He went on the DL shortly after that. That is a detriment. And he needs to be smarter, especially at his age. And, you know, if, if Dave Martinez wants to go to his bullpen, I think he should be able to do it. And and I don't want, I don't want the Washington Nationals to – to lose because of Scherzer's ego. 
it's uh it's kind of similar to what we saw with Kershaw because Kershaw was so unbelievable in the regular season but when he got to the big games he just he didn't seem to have it but uh then again not every pitcher is a big game pitcher like David Price so it's tough it's tough <laughs> well well and there's something to be said we talk we talk all the time about is the moment too big I mean, Scherzer, I don't think this moment is too big for him, you know, even though maybe he hasn't been his normal self, you know, lately, uh, unfortunately for the Nationals. But, I mean, he could definitely come into his own. This is his this is his time, and I could totally see him. Plus, there's a benefit to them having for, for that uh, game one. So, One other thing that comes to mind as I'm well. I'm <laughs> Um, one other thing, the Nationals have a lot of baggage as far as the postseason goes. They have never won a playoff series. This is the first time they're in a wild card game, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call this a series. But they've never gotten past the NLDS. The Brewers got into Game Seven of the NLCS, and very nearly ended up playing the Red Sox in the in the world series so that's a team that i don't think is afraid of the moment i think they handled it very well throughout the month of october i don't think it's they're bothered being the underdogs and i think the pressure really here is on the nationals to finally do something and you know i'm i'm skeptical you know as far as to whether they can handle it or not i will say one thing though you saw them kind of goofing around in the dugout, kind of almost like a, a Red Sox 2018-esque type, uh, you know, season, you know, where they were dancing and, and, and all that. And you didn't see that prior to this year during the Harper era. So I don't know if that's because Harper's gone or or what, but I do like to see that. But I definitely think the pressure here is on the Nationals and not the Brewers. <laughs> so I'm getting tag team. Yeah. I feel like you're doing the listeners a disservice by not showing them you guys' video feed. And thank God I'm not on it. Let me tell you. <laughs> Liz opted out. Liz smartly opted out. I'm, of the, uh... I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, no. No go, no go for Liz. <laughs> not, not today anyway. Uh, any final thoughts on the wild card? I, I think there's something to be said about historical performance because it weighs on the players. We saw it here, obviously, for years when we were when we were younger. Um, teams that have historically struggled, the, there's pressure on the players from the city, from the fan base, uh, especially uh, teams that have underachieved. And I think there's something to be said about that. And I, again, I for tonight's purposes, I'm going. With the Nationals on the on the on the run line, but I could very well talk myself into the Brewers to win straight up tomorrow. And, and, and look, these games are so unpredictable. They're so unpredictable. You have some, you know, punching Judy hitter who 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 catches one on a backspin and hits a home run when you just don't expect it. I mean, it just changes the complexion of the whole season for one of these teams. It's one of the reasons why this is much watched TV for me. I love it. It's the again. Our team is out. The Red Sox are out. Yet, and I've been so down about baseball for the last 30 days. Now that this process has started, I literally cannot wait for tomorrow. 
So, uh, and one of the reasons is the unpredictability of the situation, just like wildcard stakes. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Part, part of me kind of wants the Nats to win this just because of the matchup between those guys and the Dodgers. I mean, that would be one hell of a matchup with those pitching staffs. And I just feel like it's, uh, yeah, two loaded teams. Um, for the next matchup, I think it makes a better series than, than the Brewers. And I love the Brewers. It's a great team. I like seeing these young teams just kind of, I don't know. It's a scrappy team. It's, it's, it's just a blue collar team. Um, I, there's nothing that I dislike about them, and if they get in, I'll be rooting like hell for them. But that Nationals, the idea of that Nationals-Dodgers matchup and those pitching staffs going toe-to-toe is, uh, is uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, I guess the only other thing you know, I, have, <laughs> I have is, uh, I know I said I have a love-hate you know, relationship, you know, with, with this one game. And I agree with Jeremy. I, I love the excitement too. I just feel like the only thing I don't like is that they, even though it does add that element of excitement, um, that makes it really fun, at least a baseball fan anyway. Um, it, the game's just not designed around that, but, but Hey, I mean, it, it's working, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where else to go with that, but but I'm excited. I like the Brewers, too. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if they won. I just think the pitching's going to be too much. I, I'm i starting to like the wild card more as we go. And the way I look at it is, if the Red Sox got in, like, do they deserve a series? Because I'm like, the division winners all deserve to, you know, to have that five-game set. I just... I've never gone into any postseason in in the second wild card era thinking, okay, this is a, you know, these guys deserve two or three games. I mean, it makes sense because baseball is all about series, but at this point, I'm like, it doesn't matter to me anymore. And I know in 2014, both the the fifth, the or the second wild card teams made it to the World Series, the Giants and the Royals. So you know, a little bit of an anomaly there, but. So it's not just about this one-game playoff. It's about keeping more teams involved and in it through the balance of the regular season. And it didn't play out that way because it was kind of a well-defined playoff picture. But typically that second – I mean, the last 15 days of the year is more exciting as a result of having another team that can get in. I think it just – on the other side of the regular season, it creates more excitement with the idea of having this football atmosphere in a baseball game. Not Notre Dame. They suck. They can't win a game. But I'm talking about like the NFL and like important good teams. Um, uh, yes. So yeah, it creates rough. that it creates <laughs> it creates a one and done environment that doesn't exist in the sport other than Game Five in the AL and NLDS, and then Game Seven in the CS and World Series. You can't replicate that. And. The TV ratings will back this up starting tomorrow night. People are going to flock to watch this game. They will. Yeah, I don't. I like the second wild card in the in the sense that it does, you know, put more teams in play. But I'm talking about once we get to that game, once we get to that series. I just, I'm the, you know, the more years that pass, the more I'm just I'm good with it, and and so on and so forth. 
So anyway, um, let's uh, go ahead and shift over to the American League. And before we do get into it, I don't think Oakland has a starter yet. I think that's getting announced tomorrow. Is that what you guys have? I don't think they do. Uh, it's it's TBD, but okay. I, I have a feeling it's going to be Sean Manaya. Yeah, and Mike Fires is the only other it's viable. Manaya's been... Manaya's been lights out since he came back. He pitched on Thursday, uh, six innings on Thursday, but in the 29 innings that he's come back, he's he's got four wins. I think he's won all four of his starts, 30 Ks. Uh, he's got a 121 ERA and a .78 whip. Uh, he's just been he's been lights out. So I have a feeling that's going to be their guy. If they've got to go to somebody in a must-win game, that's going to be it's going to be him. And uh, uh, while you're going, go ahead with the series, you know. Yeah, whatever. so I have a feeling it's going to be Manaya versus uh, the Rays have announced their starter, and it's Charlie Morton, who's 16-6, 305 ERA on the year, 240 uh, strikeouts. Morton's been – he's been damn good. Um, I think that the big difference in this game is uh, – I, I think it's going to be a pretty tightly – Tightly pitched match. A lot of these are. Uh, very rarely do you see a, a, a major blowout in these postseason games. It tends to come down to pitching. Um, but I have a feeling that if somebody's going to make a mistake, I mean, there's mistakes made regardless of how good you're pitching. Usually somebody makes mistakes. I, I feel like the A's have more power to uh, capitalize on a mistake. They've got seven guys with over 20 home runs on their team. Um Matt Olson and, Ch- and Matt Chapman each had 36. Uh, Trevor Simeon had, or not Trevor Simeon, Marcus Simeon. Sorry, got football there. Uh, Marcus Simeon had 33. Um, uh, Lorena had 24. Canna had 26. Chris Davis had 23, which was a down year for him. And uh, Profar had 20. So, you know, you compare that with the Rays, who had four guys with over 20, uh, and two of them were exactly at 20, and, and Adames and uh, Garcia, and Pham had 21, and then Meadows was the only guy really out of the 20s with 33. So I just feel like this is going to be a, a tightly contested match, and if, if somebody makes a mistake uh, on any of the Rays pitchers make a mistake, one of the A's will deposit it in, in the bullpen. Um, I, I'm going. That said, I'm going A's win four to two, and, and uh, go on to play the Astros. Definitely, this game I, obviously is the one I'm most interested in. Clearly, because because my team actually did make it um, in everything, but uh, no, it's... Yeah. Red Sox actually didn't make the playoffs list. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but uh, I feel like, I mean, I'm, I talk about intangible things all the time, and, and they're so difficult. And, uh, I mean, the teams are pretty evenly matched, you know, as far as everything goes. I know the, the A's, you know, hit, hit more home runs and everything, but that's not the type of team the Rays are. I mean, if you just look at their overall play, they're, they're so, so similar. And uh, I, I don't know if I subscribe to the complete home field advantage or anything like that, but something I was reading earlier was saying one thing that might put uh, both teams really at a disadvantage, but I would say the A's just have more familiarity with their park, so that puts them at a slight advantage, is the time of day, I guess, over there when the game is starting. It's going to be like 5.09 or something like that, so they think shadows might cause kind of a problem. And, uh, and, 
you know, as far as outfielders, you know, being able to field properly and things like that. So that could be, you know, a little bit of a challenge for them. Um, but I think it's still going to end up coming down to pitching. I don't think it's going to come down to hitting. And Charlie Morton's been really great for us. I don't think the moment's too big for him. Um, where Manaya, I, I don't know. I mean, I saw a prediction that they've already sold 45,000 tickets. I'd venture to say that there's been no A's game with that, or Rays game for that matter, that's had that many people in the stadium. So, uh, so to have a crowd like that, uh, I mean, you're going to need a steady pitcher, and you know, Morton's just there. And really, our bullpen has been freaking spectacular lately. Like there were a few guys that were shaky and made me worry, like Poucher and Kittredge and all those guys, but they've just been coming in and being awesome. So, I, I have to disagree with Matt. I think if uh, if one of them is going to mess up, I mean, and it's bound to happen, obviously. Uh, for whatever reason, but I feel like the Rays are just the more complete team, and uh, they're going to take the win. Jeremy? I have absolutely no idea who's going to win the game. (laughs) Uh, Zero. I like Charlie Morton, though. I like him because his stuff is an electric factory, and I like him because he's been there and he's done that in a game full of players that haven't been there at all. And so, not that I have any idea who's going to win the game, but he seems to me to be a, a potential for stabilizing uh, factor in this game. If he's good, he can be real good, and he can he can, can totally shut down a lineup um, like the A's, despite their you know power top to bottom. If it's Manaya, obviously, you know, we all... Red Sox fans watched him throw a no-no against the Red Sox last season. So, um, I mean, he's capable of being, you know, as good as anybody, I guess. Hasn't pitched much. Spent the far majority of the season on the disabled list. Um, I do think he, he's competitive, and I do think he gives him a chance to win. Um, I do think the A's lineup is better, and I the ballpark with – I hate that ballpark. It, the the amount of foul ground, the weird dynamics of the wall in, in the outfield where it's like high at certain spots and low at certain spots. And I honestly have always felt like it carries to some parts of that field and not to others. It's just a weird place to play. But these are two, uh, you know, the Rays are, the Devil Rays are a well-coached, managed team. And um, I, I think this game is just a total crapshoot. Um, you know, with that said, the winner goes on to get executed by the Astros anyways. So, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, neither team's getting by the Astros. It's just not happening. That thing's a wagon out there in Houston. So who, who do you have though? I mean, you have no idea you said, and it's fair enough. I'm not overly confident myself. Pick a game where, first of all, they, there, there's no, there's no line on it yet because they don't even know who's the starting pitcher. Fine. It might be Manaya, but, I'm not gonna pick a game with you know. I'm what, what am I, <laughs> Jeremy? I'm not wild card. I'm not some fly by the seat of my you know pants type of guy here. I lean Charlie Morton. I lean Charlie Morton okay. as for now. All right. For right now, I, you know, maybe I'll tweet an update for you tomorrow, Terrence. Once they name a once they name a probable. Well, all right. So 
It's going to be either Manaya or Fires. I still can't believe, though, that last year's All-Star game, Bob Melvin, who by all accounts is a brilliant manager, he won Manager of the Year. Um, you know, he went with he in the most important game of the year. He goes with a with a bullpen guy, you know, Hendricks, the uh, Australian guy, and the game was over in the first inning when he should have went with Mike Fires last year. Um, Manaya hasn't faced uh, the Rays this year, as uh, Matt said. He's uh, won every start, a 1.21 ERA in nearly 30 innings pitched. That's an extremely short sample size. The only good team he faced in there was the Yankees, which he didn't give up a run to. But he is their ace. And looking at those numbers, which are phenomenal despite the short sample size, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. <laughs> and I think they're going to go with Manaya. If they want to go with Fires, it wouldn't be the worst move ever. He is 254 ERA at home. Twice against the Rays this year on June 11th, he pitched six innings, gave up one earned run, only struck out two, which is a little weird. Uh, June 22nd, six innings pitched, two earned runs in that start, uh, struck out four. So not bad for Mike Fires against the Rays this year in his two starts. So both options are viable, but... I mean, I think they have to go with Manaya here. He is their ace. He's been pitching well. He's the freshest arm. I think anything less than that, they're overthinking it. You want to go to Jeremy's boy, uh, Charlie Morton. Also phenomenal against Oakland this year. Uh, June 10th, he pitched seven scoreless innings, struck out seven. June 20th, six and one-third innings uh, pitched, uh, just gave up one earned run, struck out six. Absolutely dominant against against Oakland. And the most impressive stat to me, Matt went through them all, 305 ERA, um, 16 and six, but 240 strikeouts for a 35-year-old pitcher who was way off the radar as recently as as three seasons ago. So, <sighs> uh, if I had to venture to guess, he's using that Frank Thomas supplement thing that I see on TV. Oh uh, yeah, that works pretty good. Is that like an infomercial? Uh, just, yeah, that's, I might need well, yeah, that. He, what were you in the placebo group? Sorry, that's the laugh. That's the maniacal laugh of somebody that was in the. <laughs> so basically, it's as Jeremy said. It's it's a tough game to pick. I don't care which starter it is. You know, it could be Manaya, could be Mike Fires. I don't think. I'm not sure one of them. Well, I do think Manaya does give them a slight edge, but I think Mike Fires gives them more than a decent chance to win the game. And Fires' home splits and road splits are drastically different. He's a fly ball guy, and obviously Oakland suits that. 
this isn't the year to be a fly ball pitcher because a lot of them are going over the fence. Um, so I, I think that's why there's such a, a disparity there. But gun to my head, Tampa Bay race. I'm picking both away teams. Double race. Double race. <laughs> Actually, gun to my head, I, I like the double race here too. Um, I Mainly Charlie Morton. I like Cash. I like him to make the right decisions. Um, it should be a well-managed game top to bottom, but uh, I like it. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, once they name a starter, um, you know, I may have a little bit more commentary. It won't be good commentary, just commentary. Don't use my <laughs> lines. Wow, get your own material. I'm this is my here. show. Get it's named after me. Own. You'll deal with it. Get your own material, please. Terry, what's next, bud? Uh, well, there's only two wild card games. So that's it. We can now cut off I'm... wild cards microphone and just move along here. <laughs> I guess so. I just. I'll just reiterate, you know, I, I, as much as Jeremy love October baseball, well, let me ask you this, just because we're goofing around and we're only 36 minutes in, what's your favorite non-Red Sox postseason? It has to be 2016 for me, Indians, Cubs. That was fun all the way through. 2015 was fun with the Royals, but... Yeah, I would, I would probably agree with that one. I definitely stayed up to watch the whole thing, which a lot of times if they're running late and the Red Sox aren't in it, I could care less. I just go to sleep. But I did. I, I stayed up for the entire Indians Cubs one. Uh, I didn't care who won that one. Uh, both of them, I thought it would have been awesome. Um, the 2000 World Series for me was pretty cool, which was the Mets Yankees with Clemens. Um, throwing the broken bat back at Piazza. Oh, I remember that. That was a cool World Series for me. Um, mainly just because I hate New York. A bunch of scumbags. And um, for it to be kind of centered on that city uh, with the Clemens and, you know, for me, a first ballot Hall of Famer, Piazza, who is now on Hall of Fame. Um, that was a really, really cool uh, postseason but I hated it. It was like kind of a martyr situation because we, the Sox, were in the middle of the, the curse. So I would agree with you, Terry, in one of those rare moments. Um, <laughs> for me, 2016, the historical nature of the the Cubs overcoming the curse. Those games were fantastic. I, who was it? Uh, who was the longtime Oakland Athletic who hit that that unlikely home run? Um, for the Indians, little tiny guy. Oh yeah, no, that was uh, Rajay Davis. Rajay Davis hits a goddamn home run, and you're like, here we go, you know, and, and then the Cubs come back, and Chapman was pitched basically to the point of death because Madden didn't trust anyone else <laughs> in that bullpen. Madden, I thought, for a great regular season manager, got outclassed by Terry Francona. Oh, so, big time. And, and then that brings up the dynamic of there was a lot of Red Sox um, interplay in that World Series with Francona, um, uh, ex- Red Sox Miller was in that. Uh, the 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 David dichotomy. Ross, David Ross with the Cubs, Lester with the Cubs, Epstein with the Cubs. Uh, that was a really cool World Series. I watched every pitch, and um, 
So I would say one for me is probably 2016, but a close second is that 2000 Subway Series with the Clemens Piazza moment being the you know the marquee thing that still showed on uh, you know on Sports Center. Mike Napoli. Did you guys happen to also. see uh, the uh, today the Cubs were announcing that uh, David Ross is on their short list of of managerial candidates, so he may be the replacement for Madden. So quickly on that, yeah, mistake. Now, I have zero doubt that Ross will be in baseball until he's like 110 years old because that's the type of guy he is. It's too soon. It's too soon. You can't – he's – He would you be – can't put a guy who played with these guys and make them their manager. It doesn't work. Exactly, yeah, because he played with Rizzo and Bryant, you know, their holdovers. I don't think Zobrist is bad. He was Lester's personal catcher. True, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't have the whole entire – Cubs roster in front of me, but that's too soon. And I think he's got a great baseball mind. I like the guy personally. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into me, like and him him coming overcoming that that concussion problem he had, which is really serious. Um, but it's too soon. You got to wait until uh, you you got to wait five to eight years post playing to to get into that manager role and be able to have control of the clubhouse. Liz, you got some does thoughts. Does that not scream? Well, I was just going to say, does that not scream like the kind of decision that the Cubs would make, though? Like, they they already made a huge mistake in in my uh, in my mind by not resigning Matt. And I, I feel like they're not going to find anybody to replace him. Like his successor has some pretty freaking big shoes to fill. Um, but I, I could see them doing something stupid like that. I I don't know why exactly because they. They were doing a lot of things right for a lot of reasons or a lot of years, but uh, recently. But uh, I don't know. I, I could see him making a, a really bad mistake. But um, I was going to say, I will let you guys guess what my favorite World Series was. <laughs> 2008. Was. Oh. 2008. But I oh. mean, I. Red Sox broke the curse, and you were wearing your Trot Nixon jersey? <laughs> well, that, that will. And it might be the only World Series we ever make it to, which really sucks, would really suck. But um, other than that, uh, 2016, obviously seeing Madden win and seeing Ben Zobris get MVP. He's my favorite player. So Let me just say this about David Ross, though. It's going to be a popular pick among the fans. And I think, I think Epstein kind of got off easy this year by just being able to fire Madden because I think Epstein screwed that team up with a bunch of bad signings trading away most of the farm. This is not a very good roster. Well, it's it's not a very balanced roster that uh, David Ross will inherit, but it's a popular pick, and it kind of gets the fans off of Theo for at least another year or two, and I think that's kind of part of the method of his madness as much as we disagree with it. Would you say that maybe the Cubs have almost the same dynamic as the Red Sox here? They've traded away their farm system. They have good core players, but they have a ton of salary wrapped up in really bad old pitchers. I think the Red Sox are in slightly better shape because most of their best uh, minor league talent is, is close to being major league ready. So, I mean... They definitely have the same payroll issues, but I think the Red Sox can draw from their farm a little bit better this year. But that's an excellent question. I think the it's by no coincidence that the two programs mirror each other similarly. 
I tend to agree with Terry, and they also, I mean, they have Chavis expected to be a middle lineup bat next year coming out of the prospect wagon. So, like, right then and there, you're already a little bit ahead. But um, just as a side note, two points with the Cubs. I'm not surprised by Madden. It just goes to show you how the shelf life for a manager is just tragically short. They didn't want to... They probably wanted Madden for 2020, but they didn't know about 2021 and beyond, and so they moved on from him. But he is a really good manager. He has his flaws. Most do. He's not Terry Francona. Fine. But it's just crazy to me that these these teams are now moving on from managers a year too early rather than a year too late. And in the case of Madden, it may be just the wrong time altogether. There's no doubt in my mind that if you asked Epstein and he gave a candid answer, he would say, look, I'd want Madden as the manager for 2020. We just don't know beyond that. And so you don't want to have lame ducks. You don't want to sign coaches and managers to one-year deals or whatever may be the case. It's just weird. He's a fit for that program. He just won a World Series. He just broke the curse. And you're he's out. And I, I think that maybe it's a somewhat mutual thing. But I, my, what I think happened is they don't want to commit to him for more than one year. He wants a commitment for more than one year. Obviously, he's entitled to that. He's going to get a commitment from probably seven different teams in a month for more than three years. So he just said, screw it. I'll go, I'll go manage somewhere else. The other thing is I'm a little bit surprised by the, the lack of blowback on Epstein. I think there's some of it uh, in Boston because of the dynamic with his past here. But he has not handled that program as well as he did in Boston. I think he's getting a tremendous pass for quote unquote, breaking the curse. That Hayward contract is, is really, really bad. Um, you Darvish is bad. Yep. Uh, yep. Kimbrough. Terrible. Um, and I think, and I think if I think, I think if he signs, Ross as the manager and that thing fails next year he's he has no buffer he's going to be fired um, I don't think he's going to do that I think Theo's a smart guy I think he understands that you have to have a, a, a break between playing and managing but to me Madden was less of an issue than Epstein and also I want them to fire Epstein so the Red Sox hire him <laughs> I think there was a bit of a riff, though, philosophically with with Epstein and Madden. And I think Madden was a little more set in his ways. And I don't think Epstein necessarily wants to have a bigger say necessarily, you know, you know, on a game by game basis as to what goes on on the field. But I think he just sees a guy like Ross as just kind of willing to you know, go with the flow, much like we see with Aaron Boone and uh, Dave Roberts. And here's another thing that's interesting. Madden was the highest paid manager, uh, you know, through this season at $5 million. You look at guys like Lavello, uh, well, yeah, Lavello, uh, Brian Snitker of the uh, Atlanta Braves, Mickey Calloway, all making less than $900,000. they are making eight hundred and change. And that's the new trend. Alex Cora in his first season, 2018, only made 900 something and change. He has since gotten an extension and a raise. But 
but you're seeing you're seeing manager salaries come down. Don Mattingly just took a pay cut. He was making two point eight million, and now on his new two year extension is making around two million a season. So you're seeing all these rumors now in the last forty eight hours of Madden possibly going to the Angels, and they fired Brad Osmus today. So. It looks like the ball is very much rolling, and I think the team that paid Mike Trout $430 million is going to be perfectly willing to give Joe Madden top dollar, like old school manager pay, and so I think that's where he's going to go, and it's so tragic because... Not only did they handcuff themselves with that massive trout contract, they made moves last offseason like bringing in Justin Bohr, Matt Harvey, Cody Allen, all these scrap heap guys that really you shouldn't be putting around Mike Trout. And But that organization is so screwed up, you know, that's what they do. And I think Madden is cocky enough to think that he can fix it and – as long as he's getting top dollar, I think he's willing to go there. <laughs> and it's well, just crazy. Well, and that's where Madden came from. He, I mean, he, that, he, that's why I think he wants to, he would want to go back. The fact that when Madden became available, right when uh, Andrew Silverman, right? Silverman? Silverman. Yeah. Left, um, left the Rays. I really can't believe that the Angels didn't try to go after him then. I know... Uh, What's his name? Who was their longtime coach? Mike Sosha. Mike Sosha. Yeah, sorry. I've said his name so many times. You think I'd remember it right now? But um, I know they had him in like some eternally long contract. We've talked about it before uh, and everything. But I really can't believe they didn't let him go then and try to get Madden back. You know, at that point. But um, but uh, do you think that they would have fired? Uh, Brad Osmus if Madden wasn't available? No, I really don't. And But here's the thing about Madden's past with them. That was before Artie Moreno bought the team in 2009. And, and Madden was already the manager of the Rays at that point. So that was a different front office, you know, back then. Different ownership. And it, it was a smarter organization. I mean, they won the World Series in 2002. You know, you know, and Red Sox fans might remember John Lackey. He was a rookie on that team. But, you know, so it's a much different mindset at this point. And I just think it's so tragic that he's going to go there. Just think of what Madden could do with the Padres and that farm system and with those young kids and maybe even right in the ship in Philadelphia, you know. But he's going he's gonna to go to a, an MLB wasteland and... uh but I mean, it's a good way to end your career. Go basically back home. Yeah, he still lives there. I guess he says he wants to manage three to five more years. But yeah, Clint Hurdle, the other manager today, uh, fired from the uh, Pirates. Uh, Liz, as some of the audience knows, we hung out recently, and I remember your husband, who is from that area. Uh, telling me that he hopes that Hurdle is fired and the GM, but uh, got one of the two anyway. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely happy to see that. He he would he wants to see Madden go to the Pirates. I was like, I could see Madden going to the Pirates, like, but that was before you know all these other dominoes started to fall. Yeah. So, 
I seriously doubt he'll end up there. And they they won't pay for him anyway. Where the Angels, a, a team like the Angels, just like you said, if he's looking for you know money, and I mean he already won a World Series, so that's not a that's not a must do, uh, you know, for him anymore. Then you know that seems like the the easiest way to go. And if if Madden does go to the Angels, the two big fish are Girardi and Showalter. I think Girardi is committed to managing the Olympic team next year, so I think he would have to forego that if he were to decide to be a manager. I don't know how much he's into his cushy TV gig and what the itch is, so I think that makes Buck Showalter the definite, uh, you know, top manager still available. And I think Mike Sosh is a bad manager. He might get a job this year, but that's not a guy I would want. He's perfect for the Mets because they, you know, they they oh, need the they need all kinds of gasoline to keep that dumpster fire raging. And Sosha provides that. So any any thoughts on managers guys before we uh call the show? <laughs> They're saying no. Well, all right. I mean, I'm good. Do you guys think uh, uh, David Ross could be could go somewhere else and be successful? Yes, I don't like think, where, I think he's going to be gonna... successful. I think he's going to be successful wherever he goes. Three to five years from now, I'm just jealous that he's more ingrained in the Cubs organization because he won a World Series with us. He caught Uihara. You know, in the in the ninth inning of Game Six. Yeah. We've had success. We, first of all, we've had more recent success. We have a manager that I believe that ownership believes in, and I do think that Veritech at some point is going to get an opportunity to manage the Boston Red Sox. I agree with and that. And I think 100%. that. I think they're doing the right thing by putting him in other roles to learn how to manage, to learn how to coach, to learn the system, to learn the scouting, to learn, you know, the different intricacies of being on that side of it. They're not rushing him. Veritek, to his credit, is being patient. He still lives in Boston. Um, and you see him in the dugout. You see him at spring training. I honestly don't even know what his role is. I know he has one. Um, and I think that's the guy that the Red Sox believe at some point. Now, the problem becomes if Cora is successful and they get back to winning, Veritek is a guy who could get potential uh, interest from other teams, as could Ross. But Veritek's been out of baseball for 10 years, with the exception of Pedroia, who's never going to play again. Um, there's no one left on the Red Sox that played with Veritech. And so it's a different situation. Ross needs to wait. And this is, isn't something that's, um, you know, it's not my take, although it's obviously a good take. Wow, Craig, you could, you know, learn a thing or two. <laughs> but uh, this is something that's like been, I mean, it's something that's happened in baseball and it's a uniform rule that I think baseball people apply to, ex-players that are eventually going to manage. For example, Alex Cora, our manager, he went into a bench role position. He was in different uh, settings for a while. He waited the 10 years, whatever it was, before he was, you know, the difference between playing and managing. It's too soon for Ross. It's just too soon. 
Veritech has been in the dugout in uniform quite often. I mean, the camera finds its way to him every now and then. I couldn't help but notice his head's like the size of a watermelon. You guys notice that? Like, he's gained a lot of weight in his face. (laughs) He took, not that, because I've got my own problems, but he uh, didn't stay in plain shape. Uh, okay i don't know it was just an observation i'm fat as hell anyway so um but yeah so i don't know but he could very well be the next guy maybe renicky wants to get done being a bench coach maybe he gets slotted into that in the next year or two and then he's the manager in waiting i think ownership wants it whatever the gm ends up being which is we're gonna have a long discussion about that on the next show. Um, but the, my only thing is, is, you know, should the next GM, you know, be forced, you know, have Veritech be forced on him? You know, I think the, the GM should probably pick his manager, but I, it's, well, we're going to talk about the Red Sox. Cause I have plenty to say about how the Red Sox are handling the off season <laughs> right now. Yeah. And speaking for the general manager, they have not hired, which is, I'm just telling you right now, dumpster fire is, is, brewing but that's a that's a that's a podcast for sunday night so well, we're gonna wait till sunday night on that yeah time. we gotta we gotta ration the material in the in the off season yeah. already so buckle up for the next five men, months of freaking miserable silence <laughs> well it's gonna be an interesting <laughs> off season you, you think wild carters had bad takes during the season wait till the off season buckle up fans what's up Liz? Oh. no no i was just gonna say something interesting you were saying about veritech because I, I had no idea he was like still part of the organization until just now but um what you're seeing they're doing with him sounds very reminiscent of what the rays did with rocco baldelli and look at where baldelli is now but hopefully about ready to beat the yankees in it well i i hope so man that'd be so freaking awesome go twins yeah but um but yeah it didn't take him that long I mean, he, like, left baseball for, like, a year, and then he came back and did a few things front office. I don't know. He was doing front office stuff for, like, a season, and then he was a first base coach, and then all of a sudden he's being scouted, you know, uh, you know, as the Twins manager. So hopefully, you know, if not the Red Sox, you know, somewhere for Veritech, at least he's getting that experience. He's going to be in baseball for the rest of his life. There's just no question. And he wouldn't be. Plus he's a catcher, so and a lot of catchers end up being managers. I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, why do you think that is? Probably more, seemingly more so than maybe any other position. Why that? But they really have the best view of of the game, you know, so they see everything. Yeah, they have a better understanding of pitching than, you know, if a right fielder, you know, happened to become the manager. Do you see, if, if Veritech gets it, do you see, uh, the Red Sox have put a bunch of these guys, you know, they're, they're former you know, star players, whether it be Ortiz or Pedro or Mike Lowell. Um, I could even see like a, a Dustin Pedroia, them offering some sort of role to him down the road. Oh, hopefully this yeah, off season. Oh, God. But, uh, I, I mean, the advisory roles. Do you see some of those guys slotting oh, okay. in? Because even even like a Pedro, uh, Pedro, <laughs> uh, the, uh, Luis Severino, uh, and the science coming. Attributes a lot of his uh, <laughs> a lot of his successes to working with Pedro. I mean, Pedro has worked with some of these guys. Do you see any of them coming back to a, a coaching role or no? 
Dustin Pedroia uh, can be in it. Help us all if it's Pedroia. <laughs> that guy sucks. He sucks. I mean, he's Napoleon's distant relative, twice removed, same height. You will see. Um, you will see fire Pedroia hashtags the moment it's announced. Oh my god! Get that guy out of Boston. I'm so sick of Dustin Pedroia, and now they're on the internet for people that are still listening because I'm I'm bashing it. He sucks. He's not a leader. He's a fake leader. He ethered that. Don't get me into this whole thing, please. Don't. It just drives yeah. me nuts. Yeah. The, the guy. The guy. If, if if I find out he's a special advisor to like Raffi Devers, I'm gonna scream like a schoolgirl. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Get this guy out of my city. Go back to California, Dustin. Go back to ASU or wherever you play. Go coach the devil, the the Sun Devils, where you played college baseball. But just get the f- freak. Get out of Boston. So that's uh, a hard guess. What a dumb question, Wildcard. I mean, really. <laughs> Jesus Christ. By the way, the guy's never going to retire because he's still got $40 million due to him. So he's still going to be here. It's actually. Doing whatever Jacoby Ellsbury's doing in New York, which I think is eating Doritos and playing Madden. God so, uh, damn it, he sucks. What a bum. So you think he's coming back next year? Oh, he's not going away. He's not going. Where's he going? He's starting second baseman. It's not it forty million. It's not forty million anymore. I think it's thirty million. But he's owed thirty million dollars. Well, I mean, no. And I don't blame the guy. Go, hey, get the bag, right? <laughs> like somebody said, hey, Jeremy, you could make thirty million. I'd be like, hey, show up. Where? What do I do? Prostitution? Fine, that's all right. But I'm just saying, the guy sucks. He's already made his money. Get out of. I swear to God, if this guy ends up being the manager of the Boston Red Sox, I am going to. Melt down, <laughs> yeah. melt down, uh, and I hope, I hope if it happens, John Henry's like, but Dennis Eckersley is your bench coach. Yeah. Then I'd be in. Then I might be in. Or no, it. Matt Barnes has to, or Matt Barnes has to be the pitching coach if that happens. Oh my god, <laughs> Dustin right. Pedroia is not, is not. If he's in coaching, it's not as a manager because, um. I truly believe that he would make it more about him than everyone else, which is exactly what he's done for 10 years. He would be the perfect Orioles manager since he loves them so much from that game. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I hope it don't happen in Boston. Veritech. Dumbass. Veritech's fine. Respect for you. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap. So let's enjoy the games. We will be back in forty eight hours. Well, probably like forty seven hours to uh, do the full uh, playoff preview. So uh, enjoy the games and uh, see what happens. Have a good one, guys. <laughs> Have a good night. Go race. And episode 172 in the books, wild card preview. I can't wait because I feel like I haven't really watched a ton of meaningful baseball. I tried to catch a lot of Indians games as much as I could, and I kept an eye on the uh, Rays, Yankees, and Astros. Those later latter two teams were, um, you know, vying for the number one seed. Astros got that, so... Uh, so yeah, and then of course the National League uh, wild card race was interesting for a little while till the Cubs went completely into the toilet. So 
Uh, Brewers Nationals. I like that I'm the only one who picked the Brewers. Anyway, so uh, we'll see you Thursday night. Excuse me for the full wild card uh, preview. Uh, excuse me. I I'm just clearly done, obviously, the full playoff preview. So have a good night. Enjoy your uh, Tuesday and uh, take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did it, he got it. Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. High and crushed it, it's a grand slam. Championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host.